What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Run Your Mouth podcast. Uh, just to do a quick introduction, and firstly, a studio update, just to let everyone know where I'm at. I have a impressive amount of wires all over the place and a lot of expensive equipment I don't yet know how to use. But we're getting there. It's a, it's a process, and for some reason, you just got fired from, like, Fox News and know how to plug in cables and work boxes. Hit me up, robsnewsroom at gmail.com. Anyways, we got a fantastic episode coming at you with Gene Epstein. Off the bat... I was wrong about McDonald's pricing. It's going to come up later in the episode. Uh, you know, Gene came in, all sorts of charts, figures, graphs, and handwritten documents about the pricing of uh, double cheeseburgers, Whoppers, and the whatnots, and uh, his dad was right. So letting you guys know off the bat that later in the episode, when you hear us uh, quibble for 10 minutes about his dad, it, just, it was right. So there you go. Gene was right. I was wrong on that and a host of other topics. But on that one specifically, letting you guys know up front when we get to the thing with the documents and the pricing, I was wrong. Uh, other than that, in the episode description, I was holding this up because I was hoping to put the stuff in, but I got wires to figure out. In the episode description, on the top line, I have a PDF. Click that PDF so I can overtake your computer. All sorts of viruses. No. You click on that PDF and we got all the charts and graphs that me and Gene were going through uh, on the episode. I think uh, the visual cues are uh, are important and uh, he uh, Gene took the time to put to put it all together. You got a presentation of uh, important graphs for all you econ nerds out there. So as we're going through it, I would recommend uh, following through that. If you're watching the video, I don't think it's quite picked up. Um, all right, one more announcement. I'm not going to blow it there. You got a two-hour episode here with econ information. How much? How many boring announcements do you guys need? Uh, the camera overheated at two points in time, so it goes off if you're watching the video, but all the audio is there and the video does click back in. Other than that, I hope you guys enjoy the episode. We'll be back tomorrow uh, with the last one, hopefully in front of the bookshelves. Guests on Friday, more episodes coming at you. And look, I got my fancy uh, the thing for the announcements. Now we just got to get all the, the microphones, fill out the backdrop. That's uh, We're not going to unveil the actual studio until the thing's ready. We got fancy monitors, big things happening. Anyways, enjoy the uh, Gene Epstein episode. Click that link, follow along in the graphs. Know that Gene was right on pricing, and uh, here we go. Like I said, a lot of wires. Welcome to the first yeah. podcast of the Run Your Mouth for uh, uh, 2024. I looked down the archive. Gene Epstein has pulled our all-time greatest numbers and realized, let's get 2024 oh, off to a good start, bring in the viewers, launch this thing. Now, I have a lot of uh, financial questions for you. Well, that's as, good, Rob. Yeah. As I read the news, where I take you, stock where, on all the things that I'm confused where on. Where you put your meager savings, Rob? Exactly. The okay. me, all, this thing, all the money I save by not running my heat. That's should you take it out dollars of, a month. Should you, take, <laughs> should you take it out of your sock and out of your mattress? Exactly. And if you do... Who told you I was hiding it there? <laughs> Just a just a guess, but Rob. But I, I but I do want to say, right. of course, that as usual, it's an honor to be interviewed by uh, one of my three favorite Jewish podcasters. Thank you, sir. The three Jewish greats. Right. Uh, the other two are, of course, Dave Smith and Glenn Greenwald. In my opinion. Uh, the three greatest Jews. There are a number of good Gentiles, too, by the way. All right. But uh, you guys are the three greatest in that regard. And uh, uh, you have probably lost some of your audience by being courageous enough to be rather critical, a criticism I share, of Israel's recent policy in Gaza. 
In fact, I will even give you the bad news. I know uh, somebody who used to be a great fan of Dave Smith's show, who has abandoned the show okay. because you guys are so outspoken. Right. And of course, Dave is willing to debate anybody on Israel Gaza. Usually does a very good job. Uh, I've occasionally said there was one debate I wrote uh, advice. I said try to structure it the way I structure the solo forum. In other words, right. Dave's this woman talked, Dave talked, and then she interrupted uh, him, and they said, let me finish, let me finish. I mean, structure it. I give you time. Right. You know, and the way, I, you're talking about the Zero Hedge debate, and I couldn't agree more. Yeah, it, 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 it also started off, it didn't have yeah. firm, like, uh, no, no, resolution. propositions oh, or resolutions, oh, yeah. so it was a bit no, of a mess. Dave should, Dave and you, you should refuse to appear on a show right. unless... There's an allotment of time. Right. Sometimes it works when there's no allotment. Right. But a good part of the time, yeah, uh, as you said, even what you would, the disagreement was rather ill-defined. But the interruption and the and the lack of structure really got a little bit right. ridiculous. So that's just a comment. As someone who runs the Soul Forum, which is a good segue right. for me to say that, uh, as my anti-inflation measure, I have gotten, uh, our Soul Forum has raised more money uh, from our fundraising than we anticipated from one donor in particular who gave us a real pile of money. Nice. And uh, uh, for that reason, we have instituted our own Anti-Inflation Reduction Act. Okay. 20% off uh, our usual prices for the entire calendar. I thought you were going to say you're spending money on windmills that don't work. <laughs> Because if you want to follow Biden's lead on how to reduce inflation, you spend money on products that don't work. That's right. But you take the money out of circulation by doing so on materials that don't even work. So it might actually reduce inflation. Now, that's one of your good economic... <laughs> what? I'm just okay. Well, okay. I got to follow. Right, maybe there's something to that. Obviously, we have an Inflation Reduction Act that will work. Its effect on the consumer right. price index is not going to be enormous, okay. even though I think that, of course... So because the donor, you're not raising prices. That's what you're saying. What? We, I, I, Rob, you didn't even listen to what I said. You so It's 20% off. 20% lower for the entire year for every one of our debates this year, all year. 20% lower, Rob. There you go. That's true. That is true. True inflation yeah. reduction. That's true. Well, that's a, even, even that is crazy. Right. Because inflation means an increase. You had deflation. Precisely. Price deflation. That's what we're doing. A price deflation act. People and like you might be the metric by which they print more money because they look, prices are actually going down. That's right. We've got to keep this quiet. <laughs> exactly. But hopefully this will leave, leave other people with more money to buy that other shit they like to buy. Uh, we like to think civil debates really belong in the consumer price index. And apart from that... Uh, Right now, if you go into thesoulforum.org, thesoulforum.org, you will see uh, all our first four debates for this year. Right. And the big draw is that one of the debates will feature none other than Tom Woods. Oh, coming out awesome. Of Coming out of retirement from debating, right. uh, I've teased him for years, called him the Bobby Fisher of debating because he beat Michael Malice years ago and then he refused to debate again. Okay. And uh, you may be too young to know what I mean by the Bobby Fisher of debating. I won't belabor that. You okay. know, he, he beat Boris Spassky, became the champion, and then he played, right. never played chess again. So, but, but I induced Tom to come back. He, and so if you go into thesoulform.org, you can buy a ticket 
to a debate participated in by Tom Woods, and all of my debates are, of course, one versus one. I don't, I don't uh, do debates in teams. Right. So that's my little pitch, and now I guess we should launch okay. into. Okay. So uh, let me. I, what I love about this is yeah. I realized that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have, I have topics that I talk about considerably more on Run Your Mouth than part of the problem, and I feel that I can be a little bit gullible to the uh, bear stories when it comes to our economy and the collapse stories, yeah. and that it's just from my lack of understanding. So I was like, why not compile my list of things I'm looking at that uh, okay. make me think... Okay, well, okay, well, that's good. But didn't you yeah. say that I could lead off a little bit? Right? No, no, that's what I was about to go to. But then oh, okay. what I just thought was so funny was that you, on a recent uh, part of the problem, we were, uh, I guess, uh, talking about the it was economy. Called, it was called our, uh, what was it called? Our Great Economy. Yeah. and uh, That was, of course, sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved because you said, I have some correction. I was like, great. I like to learn, and I can certainly get things wrong on the podcast because sometimes I'm shooting from the hip and not an actual academic, despite what people uh, might take from our conversations. Well, so the you, floor is yours. You are just as responsible yeah. for what is said on that show uh, as Dave is. I'm mean, unfortunately hold right. you responsible. Okay, fair enough. More for what Dave said than for what you said. Okay. Uh, and uh, it bothers me, it bothers me that, as a regular listener to your show, right. it bothers me that you guys are so great and so brilliant on so much. Right. And yet... We butcher uh, the econ. No, excuse me. That's not even true. Okay. Because the fact of the matter is that on most of the major, broader issues of being a free marketeer and an Austrian, right. we agree. Right. Uh, but but to, to put it one way, I don't even know that the U.S. economy has grown by 2% a year. Right. I, I could tell you that. God damn it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I could tell you that there's even doubt about that. But I could also tell you that it's so obvious that if we didn't have all the governmental constraints uh, of all kinds, uh, that we would have amazingly uh, less, in less inequality of income, much narrower distribution of income, as the left-wingers like to say. Right. We could probably have 7% growth a year without interruption, no recession. We could be doubling our income every 10 years at 7%. Right. All of those good things can happen. We have so many ways in which I hopefully could convince you, let's say you were just a progressive, a left-wing oriented person who wants poor people to do better, who wants less inequality. I could say, Go the free market way, and that's what you can get. Right. You don't have to change your values. If inequality is the thing that matters so much to you, it doesn't right. matter that much to me. It only matters that everybody does better. But if it matters that much to you, I could show you so many ways in which the government is exacerbating inequality. Okay. And clearly, so the broad brushstrokes we agree about. What causes horrible business cycles? Obviously, the government via the Federal Reserve. Right. Uh, and so, uh, and then, uh, thank you for the shout out most recently when you said to Dave, my favorite way of describing the economy is genes, neologism, capitalism. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. And uh, and then, as a matter of fact, Dave, uh, when he was recently on uh, the 
Just Asking Questions, a recent uh, new podcast, uh, he was asked, what does he most believe in? And it turns out that I'm his chief rabbi. He said, <laughs> okay. he said, what I most believe in, like maybe you never listened to that interview. He said, what I most believe in is what Gene Epstein said, that, uh, that, that, that history is filled with surprises. He used my slavery example, but what I lived through, of course, was the most stunning thing, that slavery ended uh, and nobody expected it to. Right. Who, who could believe it ever could? Right. Uh, my favorite example is, of course, what I lived through. In, in 1986, if I told you the Berlin Wall is going to fall in 36 months, right. the Soviet Union is going to dissolve in five years, right. you, we all would have thought I'm crazy. Right. That, would, that was the most stunning thing. And of course, tragically, we screwed that one up. Right. Uh, but that's another matter. But what I'm saying, so Dave said that, and I put it best, Dave didn't quote me perfectly, when right. I said, uh, I may have no sense of politics. As, as the realists like to tell me, but right. I tell them in return, you have no sense of history. Right. This radical change does happen, and that's what you and I are, are here to promote, and that's what you do so well uh, with Dave. All right, so let's get into the nitty-gritty of what we got wrong, because you brought the receipts. You had oh, your okay, staff sure, sure, cut yeah. the clips, okay. you were ready to go. I thought we'd just get an overview no, of right, some well, missed well, themes, well, but well, you I brought just, the receipts. No, just a moment. I just wanted to start by saying that, 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 uh, we're not on. No, I just want to make sure we're okay, recording. Sure, I'm okay. I want to say that 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 in in broad brushstrokes. Okay. Um, uh, the the basic framework that you guys uh, worked from, which is that uh, Krugman clearly uh, Biden uh, uh, clearly uh, several others like Justin Wolfers. Right. Uh, um, What's a face, head of the treasury, um, Yellen. Yellen, Yellen. Yeah. Uh, they're scared. They're scared about what's going, what's happening. Right. Uh, and they want to convince everybody that we are in uh, literally an economic boom. What, what what did Krugman do recently? I joked his kosher conspiracy. Okay. Uh, this was just the other day. He writes, one thing I haven't seen emphasized by the vibe session. The vibe session is that people have bad vibes, but the, but the economy is doing great. Uh, why are Americans so negative about an economy that looks very good by conventional measures? It right. looks very good by conventional measures. And he wrote, is the fact that Trump himself keeps saying things about the economy that are flatly false, like his claim that the price of bacon is up five times under Biden, that's it's, so act, it's actually up 18%. Right. So that's a more subtle uh, uh, glitch on, on the way you guys were joking about it, as, okay. though, as though people don't know what's left after they spend money. Right. Now, why did I call it kosher? Because no doubt the Orthodox Jews in the audience who don't buy bacon, right. they said, well, well, as he says, it's up five times. All I'm right. saying is that people who buy bacon five times higher, they would begin to notice it. You know? right. So uh, it's it just, just funny, as I wrote, Krugman is probably one of those rich guys who never even looks at his grocery bill. He doesn't right. realize that, that if bacon began to get that expensive, right. people would begin five times higher. Right. You know, they would begin to notice it. So his, his, uh, the ways in which he's insulated from the world were just indicated in that recent comment of his. So my broad brushstroke is the following. Here's the okay. following. We, are, we are the blind man groping the elephant. We have a whole lot of economic indicators that I've been tracking for really going on 30, 35 years. Right. Uh, 
I've spoken to the bureaucrats in Washington. I know how they work. I, I know which numbers are right, which are wrong. Uh, we have a situation in which uh, the best you can argue uh, from the somewhat ambiguous numbers is that perhaps things are a little bit better or a little bit worse than they used to be pre-lockdown, than they used to be in early 2020 and 2019. Uh, that, um, that there are things to, 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 a couple of ways in which they're worse on balance, are people earning more? Well, probably most people earn a little bit more, certainly insignificantly more. But we do not have uh, we do we do not have uh, a situation in which the middle class disappeared, as Dave seemed to imply, or we, we do not have a situation in which things are really terrible. We have a situation in which we're more or less treading water. We're, we're not far below the highs right. that were reached in 2019 and 2020. So that, so that means then that so much of what Dave said and a few of the things that you said were really mistaken. It's not a great economy. Right. Not even a good economy. It's but I guess I do have one question passable. for you. Yes. So the comparison that you're making yeah. is current to 2019. Well, yeah. Okay, now I, I, I guess... 2019 were the highs. Right. I look at, and I, I don't have a perfect snapshot yeah, yeah. on 2019 versus today, but I just look at the economy since basically 2008 and the Fed money that we've been pouring into it on top of all of the debt that we've taken on. So you look at that and go, it's all serviceable, it's not a big issue. Excuse me, it is a big issue. Right. Oh, no, just a moment. Let me elaborate just a little bit. Uh, unfortunately, I, I want to digress in one sense. I want to quote. Can, can I just can I say it a little bit differently? I'm sorry. How can how is the average slob yeah. doing? I'm, what, I'm, right. what, I'm, what I'm trying to look at is, is that Dave said the middle class has disappeared, and all I'm all I'm really saying is right. that Dave, if there never was a middle class, right. then there is no middle. But the right. fact of the matter is that that when we measure middle class and medians and right. all the numbers that he cited. We don't look at. I'm going to show you right. some of those M. Um, those no, yep. no, some of those. Yeah. But but what we try to do is grope the elephant, the blind man groping the elephant, and we look at all of the numbers that are available that give us a snapshot of how uh, the mid middle income people are doing, how most people are doing, and th and that requires some knowledge about wages, as well as some knowledge about unemployment, as well as some knowledge about prices. That's right. all. So that's different. Right. But, but if you, by the way, if you now want to talk about where we are likely headed, that's I would, something that we can get to shortly. I would say that the general uh, sentiment is that we have an unhealthy economy. When I say by yeah. unhealthy, is, I'm referring specifically to government debt and government spending, and particularly government, in my opinion, fabrications of uh, the financial markets to make it seem more stable than it is. And we can get into some fabrications. So, okay, we can get we can get into some specifics, but okay. I think that's that. But so to me, the but you don't you, yes. don't you don't care how most people are doing. This yeah. Okay. Just a moment. Okay. I, I want to get into it, but yeah. bear with me a moment. I, 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 want to, I want to quote, I just want to digress in one sense and quote something that Dave 
yes. says that he's repeated more than once. Okay. I want to play that recording. Uh, it should be. But, a, a, by the way, specifically when he said there is no middle class, it's funny because that day I was I I'm, I'm I actually off. You had a great debate with um. I'm so bad with names, with uh, Milton Friedman's son, oh, David, David Friedman. David, David, David Loved the debate you okay. did up at, uh, oh. it, was, it was fascinating. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I got it. And I like, I, I really like the way David Freeman thinks and frames things. And I was excited listening to him. And I was like, I got to go read his book. So I bought his book, uh, The Machinery of Freedom. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Haven't finished it, but no. it was literally the day before I had read where he had a whole article about the nonsense left talking point about the disappearing middle class. Oh, yeah. And then when Dave said it, like, I was going to grab it. I just, I didn't remember his argument well enough to kind of, gra- but I, I do remember that particular statement and being like, oh, that's an interesting way to frame it um, from Dave. But anyways, I hand it back to you. I'm sorry, did you say that David David thinks it's a myth? No, no, no. Da- yeah, David Freeman had thought it. I mean, that's already a book from yeah. 20 years ago, I believe, but well, he had said he's that updating it was. Yeah. You know, yeah. I had some funny encounters with David. I mean, you know, here's a, just a yeah. slightly funny. You know, there's a new book out, 51 Essays on How You Became a Libertarian. Right. What were your influences? I contributed one of the essays. Right. Uh, Mommy was a commie. I started out that way. Right. It's my odyssey. Most of the essays mention one's parents. They often are influences to some degree or another. Right. One of the few essays that makes no mention of the parents is David Friedman's essay. Interesting. Yeah. I think that's right. slightly autistic. But anyway, that yeah. aside. Well. But 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 again, he's brilliant. Yeah. He's still brilliant. Yeah. Uh, for sure. I, I I gather you were mostly on my side about that. No, my but really uh, not well. Not so much in the debate. I would say what motivates me more oh, 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 oh. for the ideas of liberty are that they work better oh, yeah. more than they're morally justified. Well, well, well now I wouldn't. Work. I wouldn't argue against people being excited. I'm. I'm talking from a, a more emotional standpoint. Yeah, that yeah. what grabbed me to this philosophy oh. is that it works better. Oh, yeah. And if someone were to put forward a centralized government authority that worked better. I wouldn't go well. It's morally wrong. Oh wow! It's just that to me, it doesn't work. That, but that, but that's it, it, well, It's not something like that. Well, I would, I, I would even care to debate. I'm more talking from an emotional standpoint than I'm talking about from like an intellectual one. Okay, I regard that as intellectual. Okay, just let me play this yeah. for Dave because because this is something that he keeps repeating. So, okay, so there we go. Yeah. We're doing Dave dirty here, pulling clips. What? Talking from the hip on the podcast and. Government employment numbers say, oh, we're under 4% unemployment or something like that. Well, here's the the thing about that, right? Employment, number one, I I know I've mentioned this before, but it's worth repeating. There's two major problems with the way the government tracks unemployment. Number one, they only count you if you're actively looking for work. So if you just drop out of the workforce, you don't get counted in that number. And so that's who... If you wanted to get an honest gauge of how many people are just unemployed, the people who have dropped out of the workforce altogether would be like the biggest indicator, right? So they just conveniently take that and, and cut it out. So you don't factor that in at all. Okay. Now, Dave said that only because he is unaware of what the Bureau of Labor Statistics actually does. Okay. Um, now, um, let me show you first. Um, uh, yeah, that this is the conventional uh, unemployment rate. Right. And that indeed uh, consists of people who say from this from this sample that's done every month 
that uh, they have a job uh, or they say they don't have a job, then the question is becomes... Part-time? What? Doesn't that also negate part-time? No, no, no. If you have a part-time job, you have a job. Right, but that, that to me is another distortion of the metric. Excuse me? Okay, I can't get... Okay, yeah, you know, I'm sorry. Just, I'm sorry. Just a moment. You are now saying that this... Uh, that, that, I'm sorry, the people who have a job include part-timers? Uh, no, I'm asking you. Yes, of course. Yeah, so to me, that, that, that's another flaw in the metric because let's say, for example, I'm a trained anything, a trained professor, and I take a part-time job on the weekends cleaning a building because I can't get a job as a professor. You're going to count me as employed? I, to what? Me, you have, okay. Or I'm a mechanic, oh, okay, okay, okay. and I'm a trained mechanic, do, do, do you know? and okay, instead you, of working you, 40 hours a week, I'm working five okay, hours a week okay, you're doing anti- something you're, else. You're anticipating yes. uh, something else I was going to get into, which is that Peter Schiff, right. who I don't mind insulting because he's a multimillionaire anyway, yeah. and, and, and he speaks contemptuously of having to learn any Spanish at all living right. in Puerto Rico, pulled numbers out of his ass, right. and he said... Yeah, oh, you think the economy's doing well? The only reason is that people have multiple jobs. It's all part-timers and multiple job people. Right. So, so the Bureau of Labor Statistics tracks every month. Right. What kind of job do you have? Is it full-time or is it part-time? What is full-time? 35 hours a week or more. Look, we have numbers question. on that. So, so we know. Would you look, But that's a different number. Would you take this as a valuable metric the same as like, the consumer price index to me is a not a great index because it leaves okay. out it leaves out energy and hasn't it also dropped uh, other uh, items uh, out? Rob, you're outdoing me for ignorance. <laughs> Rob, you're now yes. just flooring me. Let right. me just back up a second second and say the consumer price index includes energy. It's a right. huge, it's a huge part of the consumer price index is, is energy, the cost right. of energy. So I have to correct you there. But otherwise, I also want to tell you that every number is just us groping the elephant. Okay. All this is telling us for the moment is how many is, is uh, out of the share of people, uh, how many are unemployed according to a certain definition. Okay. And I was going to get to, and now as for the jobs they have, I was going to show you numbers on that too. Right. But that comes later. Okay. This is just what is that share? And I drew a red line, and it's obviously at. Pretty close to historic lows, going back to 1995. Now, okay. now, uh, how do we know that you're unemployed? Well, uh, you don't have a job. Okay. Next question is, uh, do you want a job? Yes. Uh, did you look for? Can I, did you look for a job over the last four weeks? Right. Yes. Uh, what did you do to look for a job? Now, I've read the handbook. Mm-hmm. The handbook says that if you're if the answer is I enrolled in a job training course, that doesn't count. But what if you say I called up my cousin Rob and I asked him if he knew of any jobs over the last four weeks? That's what I did. That's all I did. Right. I called up my cousin Rob. What do you think the handbook says? That means you're actively looking. Okay. Rob, if you had a deadbeat cousin right. whom you're supporting and you asked him, what did you do to look for a job over the last four weeks? I called up Cousin Joe and I asked him if... Now, 
you don't even have to provide evidence of having made that phone call. Right. Uh, I, I looked at the want ads. Uh, the fact of the matter is that the, the number of people who are counted as unemployed are considered having looked for a job according to criteria that the Bureau of Labor Statistics Commissioner wouldn't accept from his deadbeat brother and Right. Very, very lax standards about how you look for a job. No evidence required. Right. Nor in nor uh, any real well, so evidence that you tried. What's the but, the, but I want yeah. Go ahead. Yes. What's the advantage though of taking a lax standard of everyone that's searching for employment versus just going here's the group of people that have a job and here's the people that don't. That don't. Okay. Because Rob, a hundred Rob. There are tens of millions of retired people who don't want jobs. They're living off pensions. Okay. There are, there, are ten, there are millions of people who go to school all the time. They don't have jobs. They're being supported by their parents. Okay. There are 100 million people who don't have jobs over the age of 16. Okay. And there, are, there, are, there are people who are married who are living off their spouses and they right. don't want to work. We, we peeled slavery, Rob. Okay. 100 million people of the civilian population, 16 or, or over, and that's the non-institutional. We don't right. count people in the army. They don't have jobs for very good because there's no slavery. Right. So, so if you want to say 100 million people are unemployed. Right. But, but obviously, if you think about it, you want to ask them, do you want a job? Okay, now, but I but want to get to the next part. Can I, I, know, can I, can I, I know you, you, you're going to respond, and then, and, then you're, and then you're going to be a little surprised. Because, okay. Because the Bureau of Labor Statistics has yet another metric. Right, discouraged Unemployed workers. plus discouraged workers. Okay. Okay. Because they also ask, you want a job, uh, but you didn't look for one over the last four weeks. Right. Uh, how come? Well, I'm discouraged. Uh and then you give reasons for discouragement. Let me tell you a funny story. Up until 1994, uh, they had a million people in 94, which of course there are fewer people, they had a million people listed as discouraged. They added a single question to the discouragement criterion. Initially, they just asked, you didn't look for a job, you're discouraged, there are no jobs available, this age discrimination, I'm discouraged for various reasons. But then they added one other question, which is, have you looked for a job over the past year, right. the last 12 months? Half of the respondents, based on the sample, could not say yes to that question. Okay. So, the very left-leaning Bureau of Labor Statistics, by the way, I know those people, they decided that it's very difficult to say you're discouraged if you haven't even bothered to look over the course of a year. How do you, what reason do you have to be discouraged if you don't even know? You haven't even tested the waters. Right. Up until then, they were reporting a million discouraged, and so the number suddenly fell to a half a million because at least half the people were able to say, yeah, I did look over the last year. But there was no, there was in that question, no question about how they looked. Right. Their word was just accepted they looked over the past year. Right. Now, I'll bring you through the next metric. But because because I Dave do have a question said, for let you. me just review. Yeah. Dave said, 
but we don't keep track of those people. Well, right. Dave, if you want slavery to come back, right. then there are 100 million unemployed. I, but but I, the I vast don't majority of them don't, right. don't want a job. Yeah, but I, I, take, oh, wow. I take issue with that. Oh, God. Okay, go ahead. Okay, go ahead. even at your age, my age. There's a price. Are you? Do you consider yourself retired? Or do you consider that you work for the Soho Forum? Or how would you be even considered? You'd be considered employed. I am employed part time. If I if I were part of the sample, I would be employed part time. So you're considered employed part time. All right. Let's imagine that the Soho Forum didn't exist and you were entirely retired. All right. If you can imagine Gene sitting on a poolside enjoying himself. Most seventy-nine year yeah. olds are entirely retired right now for most of them that are absent of and some will have health issues and some will have dementia right there's some 79 year olds that are probably incapable of working and then there's some that have saved enough over their life that they've realized it is no longer worth it for me to engage in labor Look, the vast majority of 79 year olds that don't have jobs just hear me out here yes there's probably a price tag at which at a higher income a guy who is going to retire at 65 will go, I'll stick around for 66. Or there's a price tag at which a job for a 17-year-old might go, oh, I don't really want to go to college. I'd rather work construction because construction will pay me this. Well, a, person's a person deciding to work or not to work will be relative to, just hear me out. Let me finish the point. Relative to what they can earn from working. Same as a lady who's decided, I don't want to work. She might decide. I'd rather raise the kids. My, right. My husband earns enough. But for a certain amount of money, she might go, oh, I'd actually rather be out earning money. Let I me, think, ju I let think me I, just finish my point. I think I'd better play again what Dave said. No, but to, let me just finish my to, point. To me. Do you, if you were to do, have, do you agree with me that you are no yes. longer defending what Dave said? What Dave said. No, you said. haven't let me finish my point. I am defending what he said. Oh, my God. Okay. If you were to have an absolute metric of just employment versus unemployed, so firstly, you could come to the same comparative point of going in a typical year, let's just say 100 million people choose not to work. You'd have a baseline. And then in a particularly healthy economy where wages were way up, you'd be able to go, oh, more people have an opportunity to work or even more well, people are incentivized exactly what, to work. But that's exactly what does happen. But look. No, again, but what I'm saying is wouldn't the more sensible metric still be employed versus unemployed? It doesn't matter how many people choose not to work. You were saying, well, Dave... 100 million people, what are they, slaves? Well, they're still choosing either to work or not to work. It's just a metric of their choice. Yes. So the better, the better figure to me, if I wanted to get an establishment of the economy and whether or not people have the ability to work or not to work would be how many people are employed versus how many people are unemployed. Now, as to why you're choosing to be unemployed, which could be, hey, I'm raising, I'm raising kids here or... Um, if you had that over a long enough time period, you could just easily deduct, well, this is, and you could even just do the math. I know that there's this many people in the retirement category. I'm not understanding why this makes for a better metric off of the backs of the people that are choosing not to work. Okay, just a moment. You have, you, okay, you do understand that Dave said, let me just play. That it doesn't count people that chose that they don't want jobs. Who dropped out of the labor force. He right. didn't, he didn't, you seem to be introducing a point that uh, that every person has his price, and if... No, Dave's just saying it would make for a cleaner metric to... Oh. Dave's saying that there's a flaw in this and that if people gave up from doing from being able to find a job, we don't count them as unemployed. That's a misleading figure because 
in a very bad economy, you could have a large group of people that have given up on finding jobs. Exactly. Now you're well, saying well, that it's well, actually a very, that they come, that they have me. a very little. Excuse me. Yes, yes we did. Now, but, but, so let me digress then and say, let's right. go back to the unemployment. Now, I happen to believe that when we had this kind of unemployment rate or this kind of unemployment rate, but when, we, when we're down to here, uh, did we ever have any economic, in, in, the, in the year, I, I would maintain, in the late 1990s, yes. we, we, I think we had a booming economy. And okay. we had, of course, exactly what you would have expected, a declining unemployment rate. Right. That's, that's what we got. You, you, you all, oops. Sorry. You're saying that the employment actually tracks better, like the, our current metric. Excuse me. The yes. Gray, yeah, you, see, you see those gray areas, those are recessions. Okay. In recession, we have a, we have a, we have a soaring unemployment rate. Similarly... Right. Uh, and uh, and and then when the expansion begins, the unemployment rate declines. Right. So that's so that's why it's it's indicative. Then discouraged workers, we have a big. Can I ask you a different question. We have a big rise in discouragement. So all I'm saying is that Dave said right. we don't. But we also measure. If I may finish, we also measure another measure that the Bureau of Labor Statistics throws in, which is called the marginally attached. The marginally attached includes discouraged. Okay. But the point is that that. We have to find out what people's motivations are. But if you're going to tell me that, we should ask the question, well, every person has a advice. You're not looking for a job, but that might be because uh, you don't like the salaries that are being offered, and therefore you prefer to earn nothing. But let's say that the salary being offered were, you know, triple or quadruple. Right. That's kind of dumb, Rob, because when you ask people, when you ask <laughs> okay. people hypotheticals like that, yeah. they'll make up any bullshit. Right. You know, what would you do if you had a million? No, so that's the reason why. All I, think I'm, all, all, I think you're twisting what I'm saying. I, okay, so me. All I'm, try, yeah. all I'm trying to emphasize with you, Rob, for the moment at least, is that every one of these numbers right. rises and falls with expansions and with recessions. So that, right. So, and, and that's what you would logically find. And I only want to add that when Dave said, we don't keep track of people who are not in the lay, who, right. who have not been looking, simply not true. Right. I'm, I'm walking you through the measures. They, they, they have several categories. The next category is marginally attached. The marginally attached include discouraged, right. but, but marginally attached also include people who say that because of particular circumstances, so, they're looking for a job. Then on top yeah. of that, on top of that, we have U, what's called U6, which is which includes all of the people who are marginally attached, right. unemployed, and part-time for economic reasons. Okay, so just Look, to, to, they would to like, button up your argument, because I get it. They would like a full-time job, right. but they are part-timers. And I'm only trying to tell you one thing, which is that the standards that are used are so lax. Right. That, and all of these, by the way, all of these trends track the unemployment rate. Right. I, ha I believe, but I, I don't necessarily have to insist on that point, that, that, the, that the number of unemployed is exaggerated. Okay, so, but, to, but, but so, ahead. so yeah. to go to the first line. Yeah. So if I understand you correctly, yeah. essentially what you're saying is if someone wanted to say Biden has a good economy and you could just hear me out here. Biden has a good economy and proof is we have low unemployment. Absolutely not. Rob, I'm trying to tell you that. I'm trying to tell you that. Let me just finish what I'm saying, because I but think you'll agree with me. I, I haven't agreed with you so far, but go ahead. I think you're going to agree with me. Yeah. That So if I'm looking at this chart, in healthy economies, this chart, chart has, been significant, um, has been consistent. 
that you'll see higher unemployment during recessions and lower unemployment. Well, I guess you didn't say lower unemployment during good economies. You just said that you would see well, higher unemployment during recessions. And, well, and so there's no and, current and, recession. No, I did say. And then, of course, obviously. Right. The, and so you're saying that, they, therefore, this is a valid are, metric for tracking employment because. Unemplo unemployment. Unemployment, because we do see that this metric tracks higher unemployment during recessions. And we also see, Rob, that yes. we keep. That contrary to what Dave seems to think, and he says he keeps repeating, right. we do add discouraged workers. We do add marginally attached. Marginally attached right. includes people who so, aren't discouraged, least, but they are. But yes. they are. But but Rob, I, I'm not. I'm not sure where you're headed with. This is not proof that we have a good economy. It is not proof of that. Okay. The reason it's not proof of that is because it's insufficient to prove that. Okay. We, we, and by the way, I don't think we have a good economy. Right. Anyway, what I said in terms of my framework is right. that we are treading water. Right. Treading water means, in my view, as I would define it, that we that for most people, uh, uh, the economy was better than ever in 2019. Most people, not everybody. Right. Most people. Uh, but... Uh, and then we had the lockdowns, we had the disasters, and we are now back barely to where we were in 2019. I don't call charts? that good. I, I call that I call right. I, I don't call that anything to write home about. And I understand why people. Feel, so that's not good. So I have a question for you. Yeah, yeah. And then I think you might appreciate my defense of Dave, or you might reject it. Okay. <laughs> so based off of these, and you're saying that there is a mostly loose criteria to still consider someone unemployed versus not searching for work? Loose you said I, don't, I, don't, they... I don't insist on that, Rob. I only said, just a moment, all, just a moment. The fine point I want to put on it is that Dave specifically said, we never include the dropout. Right, if, you re if you reject my framing, you're not going to hear my arguments. So well, let me, let me, I have let to me reject say... your framing because I no, didn't you, say that. You, you right. did say that yeah. they are, let's go loose and liberal about trying to include you in the unemployed category versus saying that you're... Um, but that's not key to my argument. That's not key to the fact. But you're not, you're not letting me make my secondary point. It sorry, might actually so, lead somewhere. Sorry, sorry. Okay, so then how good are they even on enforcing their own definitions to keep this consistent for one good well, pattern? Well, that's my point. My point is that, it, that the, bi I'm, the bias right. goes in the direction in all cases of being lax. I tried but to, you know over every to, time period? I tried to every... The questions are always the same. Yeah, but how do you know that they? Wouldn't I'm we? saying if they're already going loose on it, and like lax, lax standards. But, but, so yeah, how do you, I, but how I, do you know that they're not trying to rig then the results by who they're polling? I don't know how they actually accumulate the data. Okay, okay, well, 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 it's good you're asking that question. Right. But look, all I'm trying to say, Rob, is that if you put all of these lines to, on the same, you'd find you'd find the pattern discouraged, you'd find marginally attached. You'd find part. All, they all go. They all basically fluctuate in the same way, except one is higher than the other. Right. Again, I only want to put. So a let me let me just defend this point, then. Rob. I want to put yeah. a fine point on one point. Right. Dave specifically said we only count those people who are actively looking. That is specifically untrue. There right. Are, there are three but other measures published that count. Discouraged I think and that and that count Martha we, we can replay it, but let me just say I to me what he's saying is Part of what the administration is pointing to to say that we have a better economy is that there's low unemployment 
and he's saying he doesn't think that the employment measure is a good measure because it doesn't include people that aren't looking. Then take the now you say then, right, yeah, but, but, but Rob again. But please. to me, the fact that we've had to argue for a half hour and I'm reasonably well, you intelligent. Have to argue. <laughs> no, no, but hear me out. I'm, You're skeptical. This is a decent. To me, this is a decent metric. I'm reasonably intelligent. You're brilliant, Rob. I wouldn't say I'm brilliant. If something takes me a half hour to kind of grasp, I don't think it's a great metric. Oh, Rob, that's a terrible stand, Rob. All I'm, Rob, when people are initially very, yeah. very skeptical, brilliant people such as yourself, right. when I am very skeptical of a viewpoint, and, uh, and when it surprises me, I ask a lot of different questions about it. I have to turn it over. And Do you think, think this is a good measure of the economy? Excuse me. It's a very inadequate measure of the economy, Rob. As you again, you seem to be setting up the same straw man when I keep repeating only so then, that. That's only, essentially Dave's point: is that me, he me, thinks that, that it's a oh, bad measure, Rob, and Rob, he thinks it's a bad measure for a Rob, different Rob, reason. Rob, which Rob, is you're that, skeptic, yeah. Rob, 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 Rob. Okay, fine. Your skepticism is running away with you. I'm gonna, but that's what happens. Right. Again, uh, it should. Of course, it, it should bear repeating that the employment numbers are also Good. low. Go, government employment numbers say it's low or under 4% unemployment or something like that. Is that, that. recording? The, the, I just got to restart it. We probably went to time. Employment number one. <laughs> I know I mentioned this before, but it's, it's worth repeating. There's two major problems with the way the government tracks unemployment. Yeah, the, the room's very hot, so it needs to cool down. But we have audio anyways. So if you oh, what? Oh, it's very hot. Yeah, 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 it gets a little hot for the camera. If you wanted to get an honest gauge of how many people are just unemployed, the people who have dropped out of the workforce altogether would be like the biggest indicator, right? So, they just can be so you're saying that it's inaccurate because those are technically tracked. Discouraged, marginally attached, unemployed. Okay, yeah, fair that, enough. That's all. That's all. Now, the, 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 only point, the only point is that the, there's no question that the, the abundance of jobs, there's another metric which I've been sure job openings is a percentage of total unemployed. Right. They, they started, the, the, the job openings percentage of unemployed used to be about 16, 80%. The, the camera's no longer working, Rob? No, the room is hot and that will overheat, so we just got to let it cool down. But we have audio, okay. so I'll put the slide over the audio to, okay. for, the, okay. for what we have okay. in gaps. Okay, okay. All, all I'm trying to say. I agree with you. Took me a minute, that, and I was feisty, but I get it. <laughs> okay, all right. Again, and again, I want to say that. Yeah. When you're skeptical, you ask questions. When you're skeptical, you want to turn it over. When you're skeptical, you want to think about it in different ways. Right. So that's what I attribute many questions to. Right. Uh, you're still brilliant. Right. I think the theme here is that things are unhealthy and the Biden administration is pointing to particular metrics to go, no, things are really good. And us going, hey, we don't think it's that good. Well, uh, well, did it, did it, again, do you realize, Rob, that yeah. everything you've just said, I began by saying, I completely agree with you, that good? What I said, right. Rob, was that, that we are probably doing no better right. than we did in 2019, right. four years ago. But you're saying now, Dave, that's good. Dave, that's a boom. <laughs> that, what, 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 what did Crazy Krugman say? That it's doing very good, and and, and he's and he's and he's blaming right. uh, uh, Trump for fooling people about the bacon price. Right. I mean, that's crazy. That, uh, that looks very good, but no, it does not look very good by conventional measures. Uh, it, 
I said that uh, we are doing okay in relation to, to 2019. And right. that's, that, that's four years of basically mostly treading water. Okay. So that's what, now, that's different from what you and Dave seem to have right. applied. And I would also add that I believe that what, you, what your, uh, your use of language sneaks in is that, uh, but inadvertently, is that we're going to hell in a handbasket. Right. Now, if you want to forecast, uh, I said on the Tom Woods show that I was happy about being wrong about a 2023 recession. Right. Uh, but uh, I, uh, let's see, where is my, uh, um, okay, but, le but, but actually, Rob, this one you'd like. Okay. Let me show this to you because th this, this is a puzzle you really like. All right. This is, a, this is the conference board's measure of consumer confidence. And one of the things I find is that people are citing surveys that were done this year, this percentage, that percentage. Right. I, I like survey numbers. As I used to say, people are always bitching. You know, right. I mean, there's always something shitty to say. I like survey numbers that have a history. Right. So we can have some basis of comparison. The, the conference board numbers go, go back to the late 1970s right. and look at this here. Consumer confidence, which asks your spending plans, uh, had, how, do you, how do you feel about your income? What do you think is the outlook? A whole range of questions right. about consumer that have been asked consistently, monthly numbers. And now let's say this is the only leading indicator, or did me, I just make that up? Uh, it's not a leading indicator. Well, excuse me. Actually, um, part, some of it is used. Some of the other ones used as a leading indicator. Okay. It's used a little bit as a leading. But but this is going to be the real surprise. Uh, you see this red line and yeah. the recessions. It's not obviously. It's not really booming. It's it's below these levels that were hit in the in the nineties. It's about comparable to the aughts under Bush. It's not as high as Trump, but but it's not. It's obviously well above recession levels, right? Not bad. Okay. It's so. So you say if, if uh, I I don't think, by the way, that Krugman uh, or Yellen will like this chart, right? Because it's not that impressive, but it's solid. But you, now, but you don't like. I do have one question for you on thing, that but chart. This, but this is the thing that's going to stun you. Okay. The University of Michigan has tracked the same thing with the same questions over the same period, and they call it consumer sentiment. Okay. They ask virtually the same questions of a similar sample of people. What does that show? Take a look at it. A red line right. that mostly matches where consumer sentiment was in recessions. I do have a question for you. Sure. Isn't there, it doesn't, if I'm comparing like the 70s, 80s, and 90s to yeah, today, yeah, yeah. isn't this somewhat misleading yeah. in that we've socialized costs such as healthcare? So if I'm trying to see, hey, what was someone not someone in their 90s, in the 90s, oh, okay. their forecast yeah. for uh, where they are in terms of wealth and what they can spend will be different than today because today they don't have to be concerned necessarily about their healthcare costs. And there's other costs that we might have taken off of people's plates that to me like the, the time scale horizon for that metric just might now almost be mute. I'll tell you something funny. Do you know that you, do you know that healthcare costs have so soared that people's out of pocket costs oh. are, 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 are just, No, that's interesting. Just, just, you are with your usual insight, right? Yeah. What you're really doing is you're is you're underscoring my point. 
that we are blind men groping the elephant. Right. But I want to show you one thing, which, which, uh, which, which is the most significant part of this, which is, uh, where the heck is it? Yeah, what the heck? Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. no, here it is. Yeah, okay. Um, I showed you the two indexes separately. Okay. Now I put them on the same graph. And what the Haver Analytics uh, does for me is they force the closest correlation they can get. Okay. And this is the funny part. If you look at the fluctuations, uh, the two have tracked each other pretty closely until mid until the middle of 2021. Right. We now have something I've asked for an opinion about. And in a way, I think you might even say this is almost the most significant chart we're looking at. It's asking people how they feel, what their outlook is. Right. And amazingly, the University of Michigan, which actually a part of that does go into leading indicators, is in recession territory. And the uh, conference board, similar questions, similar sample of people, is uh, in growth territory. And, right. and, and you notice again, this is the, uh, the largest disparity we've ever seen. They've tracked each other. Right. So in a way, I, I split the difference. I'm only trying to say that that to me, to my mind, is almost the most significant chart that says that, that here you can, and this is the problem with numbers, almost going beyond what you've just said, Rob. Right. Here you're surveying people with similar questions. You're drawing a representative sample, and yet two respectable, venerable institutions are coming up with radically different findings. Right. Something is going on. Uh, now, I, I'm forced to say, again, as the blind man groping the elephant, and when I look at all the other numbers, I find that the truth lies somewhere in the middle. We ain't doing that great. Right. Uh, we, uh, but, but things are not going to hell. Right. Uh, I was expecting a recession in 2023, which I, and I can show you why. Right. But I was pleasantly surprised it didn't happen. We're treading water. So that's the main I'm, thing. I'm curious to know why yeah. and why you think we dodged it. Oh, well, I, I, you know, why we dodged it, by the way, is, uh, is, uh, is a question I'm going to have to duck. Okay. Uh, the reason <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I can I can conjecture. Right. But Rob, I'm trying to give you hard science. Well, that's my whole career uh, is conjecture. I leave, <laughs> it's a safe place for conjecture. I leave no, but Rob, I, yeah. tell you, I tell you, I, I want to show you one other thing because I think you'll be interested in this. Okay. In other words, when I when I look for reasons to think that things are shitty. Yeah. Uh, again, we're groping the elephant. Housing Affordability Index of the National Association of Realtors. Again, I like numbers that have a history. Okay. Because then I can get some sense of where we are. Right. In relation. And so, look at this. This is actually only through October. It's probably gotten a little bit better. But the affordability of, of buying a house is now at 38-year lows. See that red line? Right. Now, now that, that, of course, is a combination of high house prices. But the real... Uh, kicker has been the huge hike in interest rates that have pushed mortgage mortgage interest rates up to above seven percent, although they've fallen down a little bit. So, so I'm just saying, why are people feeling shitty? Right. Well, not everybody wants to buy a house now, or indeed, 
not everybody, but it's not just people who want to buy their first home. Right. It's also people who are in a home and don't want to move up. People have aspirations. Right. So, so you bought your, you, you have a mortgage. I know people. You bought the, you got the mortgage at three and a third percent, and now if you buy and you get another mortgage, it's going to be seven percent. Right. So you're locked in. A lot of people are feeling crappy for that reason, and the housing affordability index shows that. And on top of that. Uh, uh, what I also did was I took all of the sales of new and existing homes through November. Right. And I showed that we we that what the sales of now comparable to recession levels, uh, the recession of 08 or 09. So what I'm saying is that is that when we start groping the elephant, right, we find some reason why people are feeling shitty now. Mo now, I want to emphasize uh, something else, which is that this is the home ownership rate, the share of households. Uh, you might wonder about this one. Uh, we're, we're at 66%. The share of households in this country that own their own home is two-thirds. Right. Only one-third rent, two-thirds own. Right. Now, uh, this line is really the housing bubble that was brought about by Clinton. Right. And, and then by Bush. And then it collapsed, but then it... Then it recovered. It's not, you know, it's, it's where it was before uh, the government started goosing up and giving, and, and obviously giving right. mortgages to people who couldn't afford them. So we're not doing terribly. It's still two thirds who own their own home. Right. Uh, but there's a lot of frustration. So I'm only trying to say to you that unfortunately I can't put it in an easy wrapper. I can only say that I see. I can get to some other data. I see reasons to believe that uh, things are not disastrous, but things aren't great. Did I choke off a question you were going to ask, Rob? Uh, no. No, I don't think so. No. You're getting bored, Rob, with my. No, argument. not at all. Oh, I'm okay, fascinated okay, by okay, the charts. Well, well, okay. Yeah. But then, all right. Then, but then, what was my next one? Uh, yeah. The. Uh, oh. Oh, yeah. Actually, that's right. That's lucky because this is the reason why I expected a recession. Okay. Um, this is in the uh, uh, this is in the in the leading indicators index, the interest rate spread, the ten year Treasury bond minus the Fed funds rate. Now the right. Fed funds rate, as you perhaps know, is the overnight rate between banks. Between banks, that the Federal Reserve has very direct control over, and it's hiked it to uh, to five and a quarter to five and a half percent. Right. And uh, and then so if you take the interest rate on the ten year bond, usually. Uh, uh, since you're lending money for a longer time, you should get a higher interest rate, uh, but not always. So if we if we subtract the Fed funds rate, we find that usually we get a positive result. Usually the interest rate on the on the Treasury of ten years is higher. So usually uh, the uh, the Treasury interest rate on ten year uh, maturity is higher than the Fed funds rate, but Whenever it goes negative, whenever the Fed funds rate goes higher, uh, we almost always get a recession. And interestingly, this one really does go way back, this particular uh, uh, measure. Uh, and we, we got recessions in the 50s and, uh, and late in, in 1960 without it going negative. But in a way, it's like very few false signals. Uh, uh, usually, uh, it, when it goes negative, went negative here, then recovered, but then went negative. All of those gray areas are recession, and you see, 
how if you if you had to use a single indicator right. to start being fearful about a recession, right. this is actually far and away the best. It's it's it's, it's a remarkable, and it is right very much in keeping with Austrian business cycle theory. But go ahead, yes. Is this what they call the inverted yield curve? Yes. Yes. And so it's telling me that current yield is. Uh, yeah, Short-term interest is higher than, than long-term long interest, exactly, exactly. which doesn't make sense because if I'm locking up my money for longer, it should yeah. have to pay me more. Exactly the yield the yield curve, which right. as you indicate, is just the interest the interest rate over the course of maturities. Right. So so an overnight rate, a six-month rate, a one-year rate, a ten-year rate, a twenty-year rate, those rates should climb right. the further out you go. You're inverted when the short-term rate is higher than the long-term, and that of course can be simple. Simplified by simply taking the ten-year right now, minus. It, it just conceptually, yeah. If the long-term yield is lower than the current yield, yeah. Doesn't that just mean I'm forecasting that the government's dropping the interest rate? Dropping the interest rate on the ten-year. Yeah. Well, so in other, because in other words, like I, because if I'm yeah. forecasting that the government's going to drop. Wait, no. Maybe I had that backwards. Yeah. I got to think for a second here. Yeah. No, because if the interest rate's going down, I'd spend more on the current bond because it's not going to lose value. It's going to go up in value. So, if, if so the, if the, the interest, well, excuse me. Uh, okay, well, you're struggling with bond math. Right. No point. If 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 you if you own if you already bought a bought the ten year bond, right. you're sitting pretty because because you bought it when it was paying uh, you know five five percent, and then if it goes down right. to three percent, it appreciates in value. You're still going to get your same coupon, by the right. way. I know. If I I mean you, we now could get into bond bondage a bit, right. and maybe it would take a while to explain. But but what but I am uh, just trying to get back to the simple point, which is that. Uh, uh, it was uh, uh, two years ago when this thing went negative, and and so I said that uh, I don't know these days where the malinvestment is. Right. Uh, but uh, but 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 when but when uh, the the uh, Federal Reserve is hiking the interest rate and making it harder and harder for people to borrow short term, they're putting a squeeze on. Companies that did malinvest, right? And uh, oh, so they need money right now, yeah. which is pushing it up higher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and and the, and and uh, I don't think we can completely explain why the relationship is best. People have less confidence in the future uh, with respect to ten years. Uh, uh, I I do I will say that for an Austrian to completely explain, or for anybody to completely explain, why the inverted yield curve is such a good indicator uh, falls somewhat short. There too, we're groping, we're right. groping. But, but, but it, uh, it looks so... And so this is the first time ever that well, well, we had a, uh, an inverted yield curve without a recession? Well, no. Uh, well, excuse me, uh, I guess the answer is uh, so far, yeah, yeah. In other words, Whenever, yeah, I guess that's right. The statement can be made is when here we didn't have an inverted yield curve, but that doesn't apply. Whenever we have an inverted yield curve, uh, we will get a recession. 
This one was a full circle briefly, but then there's this one, then there's this one, that one. Actually, that's strange to me because I think this was the lockdown recession, right? right? And I claim that was just that was just the government calling a halt to all economic activity, right? You know, I said that that wasn't really an Austrian business, and yet we did have an inver an inverted yield curve. So the point then is that, as you indicate, uh, uh, timing is the difficulty difficult part of it. But you'd say on the basis of this chart that unless you repeal this incredibly compelling history, right. we're due for a recession. The, the other strange part, by the way, is that it, is that it looks as though uh, the thing has to start receding in order for the recession to start. You see, it goes, it goes negative and then it starts to move toward positive territory. So right. we haven't done, we have, we're sort of beginning to do that. But over here, oh, you asked the question, which is, why did I forecast a recession? I said right. that, look, we've got so much shit going down. I mean, look, let, let me get to some of the other crap, which is that, because I want to I want to keep establishing my bona fides with you, uh, which is, uh, yeah, here we go. Yeah, actually, this gets to a quote from you. Uh, yeah, okay. I guess, let me embarrass you with the quote. Uh, uh, okay, because you're, quote you're, for me, you're perfect. Guy, because the other guy's here, who's here, and uh, so let me see now. Or also, okay. uh, here, there we go, yeah. What? It's not working? Oh, here we go. No, it's different. Uh, I also love, he leads in with, uh, we put more money into Americans' pockets, and uh, we've had, uh, um, we've created more jobs, both of which are inflationary. If more people are employed, and people have more money, that means they're gonna spend more money. Guess what happens when that when you have more people employed spending more money, prices go up and you have inflation. Okay. All right. So you said okay. Okay, Rob. I'm 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 curious to find out what I got wrong here. <laughs> no. Because the money supply went Actually, down. You were quoting Kamala Harris there. You oh really? It was that bad. <laughs> I don't think Kamala Harris could say anything that coherent. Right? Okay. That. I'm on board. She she would you know what she would right. say. she was. When you have inflation, it's definitely inflationary. Right. You know, well, anyway, no. All I'm saying, Rob, is number one, just for starters, uh, if you have more jobs, you're going to pass them. If you have more jobs, you're putting out more output. So, uh, uh, if if output goes up, to choose an easy abstract example, goes up by two percent, and the money supply goes up by one percent. Uh, two percent. You know, more people are working, but they're putting out more output. They're spending right. more. Uh, so you might have more supply, it, yeah, so more it's supply. not actually it driving could be, up it could prices. Be by supply. Yeah, but I just want to. Can wanna, I just ask? I, just, I thought the Fed's whole charter was kind of balancing employment and inflation, oh, yeah, and yeah. that they kind of work. Oh, it's like a seesaw that I thought. I just in my head it was more employment, and people are making more money. You're going to push up inflation. It could happen. I, I, but, I, but it's funny, the, the whole charter, you almost sound like an ass kisser, of the, like you're kissing the ass of the ruling class. Okay. Well. I, I want to educate you about one. I just want to show you one thing. Right? All right. Which would be the best thing, which is that, again, uh, here we have uh, money supply, uh, the money stock M2, which uh, is the one that the Chicago boys prefer. It's cash plus checks plus near monies, right. short-term certificates of deposit. Money, not stocks, but money, money that's reasonably stable savings accounts, money that you can reasonably well call on in order to pay your bills if you need it, 
pretty quickly. You know, uh, so it's it's not cash plus checks plus savings accounts plus uh, CDs plus money market funds. Right. So therefore, so and and the history here again, we we like history is that uh, this is the twenty four month percentage change. It's monthly numbers, and as you can see, in the seventies we had two spikes. And you may recall, you weren't born then, Rob, but, but you may know that that was a period of double-digit inflation, price inflation. And, right. then, and then we have the mother of all spikes most recently. Right. But then now look what's happened, and it's in response to Fed policy. Right. They have indeed tightened. For the very first time, uh, the 24-month trend has now gone negative. Right. Now, I, some people are worried about that, but, but now let me give you background on what was happening in the background. This is, uh, th this is the chart put out by the Federal Reserve Economic Can I just State. ask on the last chart? Sure. Because if you're showing me percentage change, yeah. uh, isn't it possible that the, mm. that the economy, it, it's like, it, it's actually more resilient to percentage changes the issue is more like um, if you had. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm trying to think how to best state this. Yeah. If you have so much Fed money in the system, and let's say you turn off the spigot for a period of time, there might still be like a lag in absorption. Yeah. That the fact that you just mm -hmm. turned off the spigot doesn't necessarily correlate instantly to. Oh yes. Oh yeah. No, no. Indeed, there are lags. Right. There are that, but but no, but all I'm all I'm all I'm doing in a very crude way, Rob, is only to say that we've had two periods of double-digit price inflation in this period from from 1970 to the present. Two right. periods, and not at all coincidentally, uh, we massive had, increases we had in the money supply. Two spikes in M2. Right. During that period, and this massive spike here. But but the but the relationship. Uh, if you could, is usually with a lag, but we know just without even having to think about, it. well, you mean, did it happen three months later or did it, we can get into the subtleties of it. Right. We do know the price inflation started around here uh, and uh, and continued. And of course, even though it was, this percentage was declining because it gets back to, you know, I liked, I liked the way you and Dave put it. He was quoting somebody else. If you've gained uh, 20 pounds, one year, and then your gain is slow to 10 pounds. Right, you're at 30. <laughs> then, then, of course, according to Janet Yellen then and Joe Biden, you're thinner. Right, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. you've, you've slowed the weight gain. Yeah, but, but the point is, now the, this, this has slowed the, in, the, the increase. However, right. it did go, and by the way, it's still pretty high, even though it's gone zero. But I just want to give you this other part of the story. That's the motor of price inflation. You're talking about something else. Uh, when you talk about people buying things and, and, and putting pressure on prices for that reason, I'm only saying that the, mo the motivator, the real driver is money. And now that we're in negative territory, not too surprising in terms of M2, uh, it's declining, not too surprising the price inflation is slowing, but I want to I wanna mention what was behind it. This is the Federal Reserve economic data on Securities. Just to jog my memory here, we're yeah. still we're looking at the indicators for why you thought 2023 was going to be recession. Oh, so, no, I guess we're not. No, okay, no, we're looking I, at new no, things now. No, I quoted your dumb remark, Rob. Right, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I, I, that's why I was asking. I get scatterbrained. I was your, remembering it was because your, it was your, my dumb remark was you, that... Was your, your, you were sounding like some kind yeah. of... 
fiscalist. Right. Like he didn't know about money supply issues. Okay. He said, well, if people, more people are working in the, well, I mean, as I say, the immediate flaw in that is that, well, just for starters, if more people are working and they're producing more goods. There might be then, more supply. Then, it's not then, driving then, up prices. Then it's kind of indeterminate, isn't it, as far right. as it goes. But I just wanted to point out to you that we know what caused the price inflation and we know what was behind it. The M2 caused it, but this is, this, this is figures about the U.S. here it says U.S. securities held by uh, the Federal Reserve System, held by the Federal Reserve System. Uh, and it's, and uh, we can see that, and that's the blue line. And then mortgage-backed securities, look at, at as, of, as of the lockdowns, uh, look, at the, look at the absolutely, uh, uh, it took off, yeah. No, no, I'm just making okay. sure it's still there. Uh, and and bear in mind that that so it went up by three trillion, and, and uh, you know it amazes me. Nothing should amaze me in this regard. But no, it's corporate greed. It's uh, you know we don't know what caused the price inflation. It's probably corporate greed. They're making more profits. A couple of simple charts. I I had to debate. A columnist, the Wall Street Journal, who wrote me that money doesn't seem to have much to do with this. I, I sent him the chart, <laughs> right? And, and and he writes me back that this wouldn't fit into an econometric model. I said I'm not trying to build an econometric model. I'm right. just trying to show you the indicators are staring you in the face. Right. Because the next indicator is that the that the Federal Reserve loaded up on the trillions in the debt. That the federal government created right. during the lockdowns, they couldn't sell it to anybody else, right. so it was bought from printed money. Right. And th this is the other funny thing about this chart. This is just the holdings, what they ha held. It's f it's far short of what they bought. Why? Because bonds are always maturing. Be 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 because if you stop buying, if you if you or you, or if so, you I'm, I'm, I'm a little lost on this one. Oh, so what is and what is this an indicator of? What is okay. Yeah. What was behind the the jump in, in, in the money supply? What was behind it? The government federal, buying the, its own federal, debt? Yes. The Federal Reserve was behind it. Right. And how do we know that from the from the Federal Reserve own numbers, it it, it suddenly acquired trillions of dollars more of treasuries. Right. Uh, so we, it's it's out of the open. It's hidden in plain sight. Right. They acquired trillions of dollars more, and when I say acquired, I'm only saying that this this chart says what what its holdings are, and what I'm saying is that it is that it is that it can continue to buy even if this declines because bonds are constantly maturing. Right. Constantly disappearing. So so in order for its holdings to soar, it had to buy a lot more than this, and. Now, because of the tightening, the line is beginning to decline. So you mentioned price inflation. You gave us this ignorant fiscalist Kamala Harris-like explanation. Okay. And I only wanted to educate you in uh, what was really going on. And let's see. Okay. Yeah. All right. And I guess this is the chart. I guess it's going to be most contentious, okay. which is that uh, this is this the, the consumer price index. 12-month percentage change, and this is the, 
the index that I actually think is more accurate, the personal consumption expenditures deflator, which, I, which is used by the Bureau of Economic Analysis. They use, they don't use the CPI, and that's the, um, the, personal, the personal consumption expenditures deflator uh, price index is what, they, is what the Bureau of Economic Analysis uses to figure out real consumption or real income. And, but they both pretty much track each other. I do believe that, that we spiked, and I do believe that, uh, that inflation has slowed. Uh, and now, uh, I can get into it. I, I'm going to shock the hell out of you. I'm going to shock the hell out, yeah. out of you by, by saying that. Oops, let, me, let me just leave it there. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. Or you can leave it on tape, whatever no, works for yeah. you, whatever you're comfortable. Yeah. I'm going to tell you that the bureaucrats of the Bureau of Labor Statistics, you can't fire them. Right. Uh, do you, do, you, do you know that I'm, I'm the only one who's actually uncovered in my book, Account of Spinning, the story that Nixon did not like what was coming out of the Bureau of Labor Statistics in the, for the unemployment rate? And it's on tape that he said the Jews are in charge of, of the BLS. Uh, Nixon's and, the best on tape. And, 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 and he <laughs> said, I want a list of all the Jews of the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Unbelievable. And he got a list. Right. Now I combined that with, and then I have the records that the, that the that the chief economist and the chief statistician at the BLS were both Jewish and they both got fired because they were not coming up with the right numbers. Right. That's the only time in history that I've, that has ever been documented right. that the government was able to interfere in what these agencies do. They, they make mistakes, but they go right. according to their own bureaucratic rules. And the, and, the, and the Bureau of Labor Statistics has had a very left-wing tradition. I know those people. Right. Just read, read their articles. They tend to be very left-oriented. And, they do, and, uh, and, and uh, if, if it ever came out, uh, well, I, I have to start that sentence again, I guess, because I claim that I'm the only one who uncovered what Nixon did right. when everybody else was looking at what Nixon did. Uh, uh, but it's certainly on tape. It's certainly in, in the, uh, the book of, of recordings in which Nixon is talking about those Jews at the Bureau of Labor Citizens who are doing things he doesn't like. So that's a matter of record. It's, there's no evidence that any of the administrations has ever been able to interfere in, in the way the statistical agencies do their numbers. Right. I'm not saying they do necessarily do a good job. I think they screw it up. What I'm really getting at is I think the price index is exaggerated. Uh, really, uh, let's see, where are we going with this? Uh, let me see where I want to insult you further. Um, I don't know, that would be insulting Dave, actually. Oh, well, well here's a funny, here's a funny one. Okay. I, I went to Five Guys. Did, didn't he mean Five Napkins when he was in? No, no, Five Guys. That's a... Uh... That one, at least, I can defend as being accurate. It is I, a fast food place. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Dude, I remember going to, um, like, literally just, I, I went to a Five Guys in Manhattan. It's over there. In Manhattan. I just went there and I got a burger and fries and a soda. This was like, I don't know, like five, six months ago or something like that. And um, whatever. Don't judge me. I wasn't being healthy that day. But, uh, and he said, and it was like, uh, he goes, that'll be $31. I just had, like having a moment where I like look at the guy like, wait, what? It's just it's thirty one dollars. You accidentally a... double my order? Are you serving this with a steak? Are you gonna put on a suit yeah. and tie and bring it to my table? Yeah right. Yeah right. Like what? Like thirty one dollars? That's like the price of a steak. Okay. Yeah. Well. Okay. <laughs> yes. You eat at more steak places than I am. Are you like, where are you getting a steak for thirty one dollars? <laughs> 
I guess this is going to be a little silly and contagious. Just, okay. a, little, just a little bit funny. Uh, I, I'm on I'm on 11th Street, uh, just off University Place. So I'm okay. I'm in no not a whole lot of poor people around here. And right. I, I guess and so I pass a couple of fast food fast food places. Sure. So and one of them is McDonald's, the other one is Wendy's. Okay. You so, did a price comparison so I, of six right, so of a year. The, the, yes. The combo meals, including okay. fries and drink. Big Mac, cheeseburger, a quarter pound. Uh, was it ten ninety nine for the uh, Big Mac right. with, with the fries, eleven nineteen for the two cheeseburgers, but for the quarter pounder eleven thirty nine. You get and you get right. exactly what Dave, Dave was paying triple, and then. Uh, okay, I think on this one. And then, and then, yeah. And, Do you have and, the five and, guys? And when, and when, I, look again. We, I, we'll I'm, have to look up the five I'm, guys chart. Excuse me, I'm sure that Dave. I'm not questioning yeah. Dave's. Tutorial skills. Okay, Wendy's uh, combos include medium fries and drinks. So I gotta say, I'm not. 12, 19, 12, I'm not a big fast food eater. Okay, look. Oh, look. I know. You know. Fine. I'm not. No, no. no hear, hear me out on this sure. one. I think at least the sentiment I see on social media is people that do eat fast food are finding it to be significantly or noticeably more expensive this year. I don't know, Rob. Rob, Rob I even find myself in terms of eating out. You seem, yeah. seem to have this talent for not being literal. Okay. All I'm saying is that it was just a little funny right. that I pass these fast food places all the time. Yeah. And every once in a while I, pay, I take that off. Wendy's and McDonald's. Massive business that they do right. in Manhattan, right. in this area where people have plenty of money. And what Dave paid... Thirty-one dollars for costs one third as much. I guess the prices right. are up. I'm only saying that it, think, it was just kind of funny. I right. was reporting on this. Yeah. The McDonald's. I, I copied down a few more. The whole Big Mac. The drink ten ninety nine. That's you, all. You think a Big Mac is currently ten ninety nine with fries and a drink? Combo. I, uh, Combo meals. Yeah. Meals include. Me. I, I should have taken a picture. You should have. I, I'll, I'll, yeah. I should have. I'm going to walk you over there right now. It's okay. Only, it's only four blocks away, my boy. All right. You think I don't know how to write down numbers like that? I'm. I'm curious. Combo to see. meals. Right. Really, including medium fries, and medium soft drink. Same it's also because Wendy's. Yeah. Wendy's, combos include medium fried and drink. It was right. all under combos, and you're telling me I'm such a goddamn dummy. I don't even know how to list it under combos. It was one third the price. I, that's all. No, because to me, and now to, you're to questioning me, my data. No, to me. Okay. Yeah, fine. To me, this completely overlooks the point. I've eaten at Five Guys, spending thirty dollars. Assuming Dave actually spent thirty dollars on a drink, fries, and a and a, that is a noticeable sticker shock. On what should be a cheaper item. I dare say, look, I dare. I, I, okay. Now I'm going to say what's wrong to me. I'm not a. Big, I, I haven't eaten in McDonald's, ever. However, I, I mean I've eaten ice cream there. I'm not a big fast food guy. But like, there's so many variables on what size burgers. The question is, I know they're combos, but they have the Big Mac, or is it the small kids thing? Is it the it says, uh, what so I'm saying, so to me, the metric is just the quarter pounder. Fine, the quarter pounder. So that's eleven thirty nine. Does that include your drinks and well, your? Uh, you keep asking me the same question, and I guess I keep. Fine. I, so you're standing I, by. I, it's I a quarter keep, pounder, eleven thirty nine, with the fries I and keep, a drink. I keep having to tell you. I guess 
that that you are willing to 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 accept what Dave said. But I, I know how to copy things down. It's four right. blocks away. Why don't we just do this, Rob? Uh, after this little interview, okay. I'll walk you there four blocks, and I'll have you look at it yourself. And, and then you'll say, right. "Epstein was right." You, uh, if we you, look at you, the, the chart of McDonald's over the last six months, do you think it's noticeably up, Rob? That's a good question. I'm only trying to tell you that I thought it was kind of funny. Maybe, maybe I'm taking a pot shot at Dave. Okay. But I thought it was kind of funny. That he's that paying court, three times that more. That, that, that I pass these places and all right. I had to do was look up there. It, look, look, maybe it was five bucks. Uh, if you, I don't know. It's right. up. But I'm only saying he's quoting prices that are triple. Um, I just that 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 if uh, that. I would want to advise Dave, number one, as I've said, uh, find out about what the Bureau of Labor Statistics right. actually does with its reporting on employment. Right. Also, if you go to one place and it's, and it's costing $31, then you, you might be a little bit shocked uh, and skeptical and, and say, well, uh, there's some McDonald's over there. Let me see what they charge. You know, show a little so, curiosity. But if, right. you, if your hobby horse is to say that there's no middle class anymore, right. then you're not going to look it up. I right. quoted two, but look, Rob, actually, just down the street, there are other places that right. charge about $9. So what that's you're, all. What I, you're saying, I, no, I, no, no. I, I didn't I, believe it for that reason, and I just looked it up. That's right. All. But, so what you're saying is your single experience at a Five Guys right. is anecdotal, what you should be doing... McDonald's does a much bigger business as much. Just hear me out. Yes, what you should be doing is actually pulling up the charts on fast food increases over the last six months or a year to make a more uh, pointed... Not in Well, the increases. He said it's at $31. Just No, but what I'm saying is I think his point is prices are up enough on some things that it's noticeable. And I think if you were to ask anyone in the country when you're eating in a restaurant right now, do you notice that... I, I, sure, we can look at the charts. I think most people are going to go, yeah, it's more expensive. Yes. I can tell you I, I eat out less because it's noticeably Rob, more expensive. Rob, That's his point. Rob, you're muddying the point. He said, again, I only want to be specific. With data, we tend to want to be specific and, and quote what Dave said. And right. Again, what Dave said is that... He had sticker shock when 30, he ate in a restaurant. 30, How's that inaccurate? Rob... I don't think you're being serious. I believe that Dave is citing yes. $31 as a representative indication of what you have to pay for a burger, fries, and a drink. No, you're, mis was, you're misunderstanding Oh, him. come on. I, I, this one I'm for sure right about. What? what? Replay it and I'll explain it. Where is it? Okay. It's that one right there. Yeah. Dude, I remember going to, um, like, literally just, I, I went to a Five Guys in Manhattan. So, okay, this is in Manhattan. This isn't just anywhere. I'm in Manhattan. I went there, and I got a burger and fries and a soda. This is like, I don't know, like, five, six months ago or something like that. And, um, whatever. Don't judge me. I wasn't getting healthy that day. But, uh, and he said, and it was like, uh, he goes, that would be $31. And I just had, like, having a moment where I, like, looked at the guy like, wait, what? So I, yeah. You accidentally double my order, or are you serving this with a steak? Are you gonna put on a super yeah. high and bring it to my table? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Like what? Like thirty-one dollars? That's like the price of a steak. Uh, Five Guys is a slight step up in quality from a McDonald's or Wendy's. Okay. So I'm, it's not. I, so the point he's no, making is it's triple. 
that's much. Okay, okay, all right. Okay, that's good. I accept that. It's a slight step up in quality. Okay. And he's just saying it's crazy to have gone into a place that's supposed to be mid-range. It should not cost me $30 to have this meal. I'm clearly seeing sticker okay. shock. I'll, it's a point about that okay. prices are clearly okay. up. Okay, okay. You're willing to accept the fact that he paid triple what he would pay at the places that people really go to in this neighborhood in Manhattan. Uh, with, Are you with, saying with, that he didn't pay that at a Five Guys? You think it's an overstatement? I, Rob, I... No, I'm asking you. Is that what you're saying? Of course I'm not saying that. He, I, if he paid $31, I, I don't question his data the way you apparently question my data. So, I, no, myself, but I right. myself am a master of data and you're questioning my data. I'm not trying to even question his data. Right. I'm only trying to say that. If you're doing a, a, a general canvas of what burgers cost and you're weighting it according to what most people pay, right? Uh, then so I he, think he, he, I, he, right. didn't, he didn't say that Five Guys is some kind of upscale place. I think it's just that, again, it's just. I think you're just taking the wrong information from that sentence. Okay, okay. The statement he's making there is prices are noticeably up that we can recognize it, and that's his example. Thirty-one dollars is a shock. Okay. Rob, let me ask you a question. Yes. You were initially skeptical. Yes. Maybe you remain skeptical that you can get, uh, uh, what, two cheeseburgers, a quarter pounder, for about one third of what, what Dave paid. No, so, no, that's actually not what I'm skeptical about. Because I, I, I have I've not been in a fast food restaurant for a while. I can understand that this is not the actual combo meal. Well, I'm excuse, questioning excuse if you me. can get a quarter pounder that for that with the fries and the drink. I'm, I be, I'm curious to okay. see that. Okay, then you're questioning my data. Yes, I'm questioning that data. Yeah. And we'll see if it's accurate. <laughs> okay, Rob. Uh, I am a little insulted uh, because uh, you're saying that Dave just recalls he went there. He, yes. He didn't write it down. He didn't go. He didn't. He didn't show you that. No, he I'm saying that Dave is. D D Dave's, Dave's, well, Dave. I'm saying Dave can actually, even okay. in that okay. case, be technically inaccurate. He's okay. mentioning a, a specific theme, okay. which is that there's clearly sticker okay. price on okay. this. You're, okay. You're questioning my data. Yeah. Because and and the reason you're questioning my data is that if it were true. Let's let's for the moment imagine that I'm not such an idiot. Right. That I actually know data even better than you. Right. And possibly better than Dave because I've been doing this for years, and that the data I wrote down are accurate. Just imagine that fantasy okay. story. That, that I'm, I'm not. That but, I'm, yeah. What, what would be your reaction if this if this data were valid? It would change nothing about the way I've explained Dave's position. Oh, okay. okay. And I still don't even really understand the perspective of the comparison to go. What Dave's point, because you're, you you're taking was upscale. You're taking Dave's statement okay. of sticker okay. shock okay. as a general statement of what burger pricing is across the country. Okay. Okay. It's a statement about increasing in prices, so I don't I don't really understand it. Okay. And to go further on this, okay. 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 I'm here because I think you're one of the smartest people I know, and okay. that you have a grasp on data. Okay. Based on what okay. I've just seen anecdotally from people talking about what they're you eating at fast food okay. restaurants. Okay. No, I think that there's a possibility that you're looking at just burger prices without the other items. So I'm curious. I, the, the idea that I can't go, I'd be curious to see the way okay. the sign was read is an absolute. Rob, yeah. I, Rob, I still love you. <laughs> I still admire you. I, when somebody says data, now we're going to get to another data yeah. issue in a moment. When somebody says data, I read it carefully. But you've agreed 
to walk me to that McDonald's. Yeah, I'm not saying you're definitely wrong. I'm no. questioning it. I'm curious to see it. I, is that that's not fair? Uh, it's not fair to say I'm curious to see it. Oh, that's slightly different from saying that you don't believe it. But okay, you're going to walk me over there afterwards, and then post production, you're going to say. Yeah, I'll say Gene was right, or oh, okay. I was right to question okay, okay. it. Here's, here's, oh wait, I've not. Can I just be clear? I've not been inside a McDonald's in two years. Okay. I would not know, based on what I've seen online for the current price of drinks, burgers. Okay. In my head, it's more of a fifteen dollar item now. We can believe it. Then. I haven't been inside one, so okay. Okay, you, you know. Okay. Here, here's the other one. Here's here's the, here's the biggie. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So here's the, uh, uh, the the post from Robert. Are oh, we recording this? New Social Security Administration data shows the average American worker made uh, $3,400 a month in 2022. That's before taxes. The average American worker, okay. I don't know what that means. You don't know what that means? No, you'd have to repeat, you gotta, can we just play it again? Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, so here's the, uh, uh, the, the post from Robert F. Kennedy Jr. New Social Security Administration data shows the average American worker made uh, $3,400 a month in 2022. That's before taxes. The average worker made 3200 more before taxes. That's the same? $3,400 before taxes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Average American okay, so here's the, worker. Uh, uh, the, the post from Robert F. Kennedy Jr. New Social Security Administration data shows the average American worker made uh, $3,400 a month in 2022. That's before taxes. Okay. Okay, okay now. Um, maybe you'll believe me that I know how to read data. Yeah. One of, one of the things that I found is that people do not read data properly they're not careful about it right they don't check to see whether it's under the combo burger and fries right i do that okay because i because i've been very careful about data i've been i wrote a book called econo spinning okay uh, so yeah now it says the average american worker right okay yeah i'm listening that number is not referring to workers. Okay. That number, I don't know why, uh, the, I know the source that RFK got it from, to this day I don't know why it's quoted from Social Security. The number comes from a census. And that's minor. But it's actually everybody in the country, whether working or not, 15 years or older. It's the income of everybody in the country, not workers. Then there are, there are, as I've said, 100 million people in this in this in the economy who don't work. So they're not workers. What it did, what it does is it, it takes it's it's a per capita income figure. It divides everybody in the country to and into all the income that's distributed. And it's not just wages and salaries, of course, it's income from the government. But oddly enough, when, I, when one of the sources of that number was on a podcast, I had already informed the podcaster the mistake. And I jokingly said that this number of $3,400 adds up to 
$42,000 a year. And it's per capita. It's everybody 15 years or older. So I said, oh, the funny part of that is that I guess if two people uh, 20 years old, they're each getting $42,000 a year, they got 84000 between them, the two of them. <laughs> right. It's not so... Sounds like they can get by. Right. It's got nothing to do with workers. The average American worker makes a lot more than that if you have a job, a full-time job. Right. Now, I, I, you know, the reason why I hesitate is I actually pulled up the census data and I can show you what it says. It says per capita income. You know, it literally says that it used to be, we used to count people 14 years and over, now it's 15 years and over, per capita income, everybody. So that lowball figure has nothing to do with workers. You're going to use RFK Jr. as your source on data? I mean, okay, I guess, I guess you'd say he, he did write some admirable things about COVID. Right. But I, I know where he got it from. Uh, and uh, I, I've hesitated to, to get into a big argument with the guy because part of my dilemma is that the people, the people who pull these numbers out of their ass and don't read carefully right. uh, uh, are also my friends. They're, they're people with whom I... Look, what I showed you, when I showed you the money supply expansion, I right. showed you the treasury uh, thing, I showed you the, uh, uh, the, the yield curve, I showed you... Things do not seem to be going well. I was wrong. I don't know why I was wrong about 2003. Timing is very difficult with respect to recessions. Right. One of the things I like to say is that is that even we Austrians who understand the dynamics of recession, even with the benefit of hindsight, we can look back on a mild recession in 1970, a very severe recession in 74-75, a mild one in 80, a very severe one in 81, 82, a mild one in, in 1991, a mild one in 2001, and then the mother of all recessions in 08 and 09. And, and I can't get an explanation from any of my Austrian friends, nor give one myself, as to why we had two very mild recessions, uh, based upon any of the metrics in terms of unemployment. And then we had the mother of all, the, the mother of all recessions was almost hidden in plain sight, so to speak. It was so obvious that there was a housing bubble, that, that was obvious that it was an Austrian situation. Right. Other, other Austrian situations are more subtle. So I'm just saying, there's so much that we don't understand, but we all hopefully do appreciate the fact that if you think about what could cause a recession? Let me tell you. Let me tell you the most interesting fact. Maybe of the evening, just use conventional numbers and put up and line up all the recessions in history on gray lines, and then look at consumer spending. Do you know that consumer spending was increasing through most of those recessions? Increasing, real consumer spending, uh, and uh, and and then look at the investment portion of GDP. The investment portion of GDP was not only collapsing during all those recessions, most of the time it started to collapse before the recession started. Now, why do I make that point? Because you're constantly inundated with the media reports about how consumer spending is doing, and I keep, I keep trying to write, guys, uh, look at this chart. Con con consumer spending 
is, is this Keynesian myth that, that a decline in consumer spending is what causes recessions, it's not even validated by the most conventional GDP numbers you can look at. Uh, it's what's validated is the question the Austrian asked. The, the, the recession is always accompanied by, by a collapse in the investment portion of GDP. And, uh, and so that stares you in the face. I'm, I'm only trying to talk about how you and I agree on so much. Right. It breaks my heart to, to see Dave say a burger costs 31 bucks. I think to, uh, but, if I can frame... Yeah. You're you're upset with the technical inaccuracies. Technical inaccuracies. Look, Dave said. Yeah. I'm not quoting it there. The middle class has disappeared. Right. Look, I please the the whole tenor of what you guys were saying is that, contrary to what I've claimed. Right. Which is that I'll show you some other numbers. We'll try to verify that. Which is that? Uh, luckily, we're, we're usually not held to the standard of academia. <laughs> the standard of academia. No, you're, I you're, I appreciate you're, you're, the. You're, you're, uh, you're, you're, ba- you're basically Dave yeah. is saying that that the American work look the the, the full time full time workers make forty percent more than than that number. That's man, that's pretty significant. The me the you the full time workers median income of full time workers is forty percent higher than the number Dave quoted. Forty percent is not insignificant, but for, but Dave would say, well, that doesn't look very impressive to me either. Forty percent higher. The truth of the matter is, maybe the U.S. economy was never that impressive. Do you see the tenor of what where I'm headed? I'm looking at the present in relation to history. Right. Every line I've shown you has been is history. And then, uh, for example, what do we have here? Oh, we have. Yeah, let me make fun of uh, her, Janet Yellen. In the past 12 months, real wages overall have grown faster than they did in the pre-pandemic expansion. Now she's a. Uh, you know, she's not some, you know, you guys quoted idiot Joe Biden. Right. You know, the, you know what's funny about that is that, is that in a way I'm so naive, I, you know, you guys are saying he barely knows what he's reading. And, and, and the thing that really struck me is that what he is supposedly reading is so moronic, having to do with confusing inflation, with price declines, and so on. I said... Does he have a speechwriter? He's got that actually wrote that for him. Right. I, I I actually hope, for the sake of the people who work for him, that they're not such morons, and that and that he's just mouthing off on his own. That Kamala Harris wrote it for him. You know, you know it was so goddamn dumb. You know. But anyway, but I, see, I'm quoting Janet Yellen. The past of real wages overall have grown. Okay, so now what what do we what do we look at when we, when we actually uncover the data that she's talking about? This is the data that she's citing. I uncovered it. Yeah, uh, she said in the past twelve months, uh, and and this, you'll trust me. Hopefully, that this is the data that she's using. Okay, okay. sure. Yeah, uh, and and so okay. So what we've had is a very funny pattern, which of course this part is going to. The, the last twelve months, we've actually, uh, you know, we've actually seen a rise. But by the way, this whole period here, is. The craziness of the lockdowns, where uh, so many low-wage workers were out of a job, right. that the average suddenly catapulted. So it's a distortion. But what did I do? I'm looking at these 12 months. She said, "Wow, look at this 12 months." She's and 
And then now look at what happened before. She said, well, these 12 months have been faster than this prior period, is what she's saying. But how dishonest can you be? I mean, who does she think she's fooling? She's supposed to be a professional economist. Why do I say that? Because look at where it is in relation to where it was prior to the recession brought about by the lockdown. It's basically barely budged. We're base, that's my whole point. Right. We're, we're, we're not, I mean, this is what you regard as something to, and, but, but the way to get around it, the way to fool the hell out of people, he's, she's actually citing a study done by her assistants. And, and the assistants, they re, you know, they, the references are very clear. I think maybe in order to earn my bona fides with you, I'll have to show you, I read the, foot, I read the footnotes. I know where the data are. Right. Got, I know where the websites are. And so this is what she's citing. Right. And, and, so, and so whose intelligence is she trying to insult? By citing like that little the, increase. The last, but, yeah, but, but that, but that, you know, oh, that sorry, increase over yours. 12 months. I'm listening. I just want to restart this. Sure, yeah, yeah. Okay. So that increase over 12 months, she shows, has beaten her measure of this prior period. But then actually, well, then what I did was, I, I, of course, I drew this red line and I show that basically what I've said before. Right. We're basically back I, where we were in 2019. I should have done this earlier. Yeah. Sure. But I'm just going to, for, um, yeah. will you make the slides available Oops. so I can link them into the episode description so oh, people sure. can I'll see it? Oh, sure. I'll send them to you right now. Perfect. So for everyone listening, this is the real average hourly earnings of all employees, and it's slide 28. And uh, for the other slides that we discussed, I'll figure out a way to note that for everyone. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, well see, what I did was, by the way, um, I, I took... Uh, I took February of 2020, because this is about where we are. February of 2020, the unemployment rate was still 3.4%, uh, still very low. Right. By March, it had jumped. March is when, when the, the lockdowns happened. Right. So February was my base month. And I took, so I took from February to the present, and I found actually that it's 40, it was a 45-month period, and we actually did have... Uh, an increase of half of one percent. We, words, according to Yellen's figures, right? No, excuse me. According according to Yellen's figures, but of course Yellen is only citing the twelve months. Right. What I'm doing is I'm saying, where the hell are we compared to February of two thousand before the government went crazy? Right. <laughs> okay. Forty-five months later, the 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 the, the average hourly earnings of all employees are half of 1% higher than they were before. But now uh, I'm, I'm doing this 45 month change. This is a distortion because, because everybody's laid off. But then under Obama, under Trump, we were used to 4%. So this is pretty trivial and this is an average. No, this is, this is the 45 month change, the rolling 45 month change in, uh, in real earnings. Uh, how, where was it? What, I'm, what I've asked to do is for every month compare it with 45 months ago. Okay. Because, because, because this period is uh, through November of 2023 is 45 months later after February of 2020. 
So that's so that so I'm I'm saying to Janet Yellen, look, a fair basis of comparison, the pre-COVID period, pre-COVID is February, the last month right. before the government went crazy. Under Trump, by the right. way. I, by the way, I should add, interestingly enough, as I keep emphasizing, the the accumulation of treasury debt, the soaring M2, right. all that started under Trump. Right. Trump Trump may be more to blame than Biden. Right. Uh, but uh, anyway. So I, I'm curious to know, based off of most yeah. of the charts that we've looked at, yeah, yeah, where yeah. there was spikes in, I guess, the M2, yeah. uh, there was the inverted... Do you see now, like that, at least off the charts, it seems like things are balancing off. That we somehow just totally dodged recession or crazy inflation from the spending, oh, no, or is it just no. kind of? Well, I, no, I don't think. I mean, just just bear in mind, Rob. When we look at history, let's go back to that. Uh, you know, uh, was it? Uh, uh, didn't I have the uh, the uh, uh, the uh, yeah? How's the affordability? Uh, no, we would, um, I'm looking for the. Uh, Oh, here it is, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The spread. Okay. Now, all I'm saying, Rob, right. is that is that you know, if you listen to Bob Murphy, Bob really can, he really starts counting angels on the head of a pin. You know, all I'm saying is that is that uh, is that when you look when you look at the, at at the muddiness of history, when you look at you know, well, look at this. This was a head fake, you know, but right. then it happened. So what I'm saying is that is that. The very just the very fact that we can measure anything and that we can get insights into anything from the data right. is uh, miraculous enough. But but the fact of the matter is that uh, as you can see from these patterns, that it, it'll it'll take some kind of pretentious genius to figure out why this why this leg why that leg and so on or what the dynamics were. And right. you're you're asking all the right questions in a way, which is to say that. Uh, by the way, one thing you touched on is interesting. Uh, when I speak to certain econometricians, their whole idea is the more data, the better. You know, we want the samples to be as large as possible. Right. And, and you have to point out the brilliant Rob Bernstein point, <laughs> okay. which is that I once joked with this. I said, Guy, I think you'd like to go back to the time of Christ. If we had the data right. we, and we could put together... Uh, and 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 the and the Romans did have they were borrowing money they made it so right. we trace but obviously the further back in time you go the less relevant the less relevant right and and and, and the point is, so you might argue with me that you know maybe I'm losing relevance right but I'm uh, for the most part I'm taking the period since the seventies eighties right. Things haven't changed so much that you can't learn right. something. In addition, of course, always post World War II, right? Certainly, uh, and so uh, so. Therefore, I think again, we're groping the elephant. We're blind, but we learn something. So I'm sorry. I, I have an idea here. You ready? Yeah. I say we put this up as a very scandalous episode called episode called debunking Dave Smith. We'll put it up there. I love Dave. We'll we'll, we'll flame the flyers. We'll get some clickbait. And then uh, I lose focus. So if you'd have me back at some point, I'd love to go through some of my uh, some of my list of questions. Oh my God! Oh, you got you. I feel so terrible. You no, mean, no, no. You, mean it, you didn't like just ask your questions. We had this was two hours of greatness. The amount that I've learned and absorbed is incredible. And uh, I don't want to I don't want to delve into my questions without uh, 
without a, some good fight in me. Okay. So I yeah, feel like no, we should re no, revisit. No, I'm sorry. Yes. I, I know if I digress. I just want to put a fine point on it and, yes. and say that when you said, did we dodge the bullet? Right. Uh, you can see there's no evidence that we've dodged the bullet. That, right. <laughs> I mean, all the evidence suggests that Epstein was wrong to expect it to happen in 2023. David Stockland keeps saying every right. year we're going to collapse. He's the stop clock who'll be right twice a day. The point is that uh, timing is difficult with these things. And certainly it's very possible that we're going to look at a recession uh, in 2024, given what this looks like, that inverted yield curve, that uh, uh, that difference between the 10-year and the, and the Fed funds, and that... Uh, the next question, I was on. Matt, I was on, actually on Matt Kibbe's show in September of 2022, right? And that's when I said it's going to be a recession. That's for sure. But, right. And Kibbe, Kibbe is all over me, kibitzing away, and he says, uh, he says, and what kind of recession? Uh, I said, I don't know. <laughs> As I said, I've seen mild recessions. I've seen deep recessions. I could argue for why there could be a deep recession, given all the insanity of what government has done, but uh, but it could be mild. Kibbe then said, you're crazy. It's going to be the mother of all recessions. Right. So we were both wrong, and I posted <laughs> that. It, we haven't had the mother, but it could be the mother of all recessions next year. Right. I, 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 I see different potential scenarios. When, when, when Bob Murphy recently had a debate by a guy named Dean Baker, a, a sort of a Keynesian guy who's very open-minded, uh, Dean Baker said, I don't see where... Uh, the malinvestment is. I don't. I mean, he, Dean Becker said, "Look, in 2005-06-07, you could see the housing bubble forming. By the way, I could see it too, but I didn't. I wasn't even sure it was going to bring down the economy. But, uh, but Dean Becker said, uh, but, but, but I don't see any real crazy bubbles forming. I don't see the the, the stock market. You know, there's nothing insane is going on. And 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 all that Bob answered uh, was that." We Austrians are not God. We, if we could plan the economy, if we really knew exactly what's going on in the economy, then I guess we could have a planned economy. Right. So Bob said, I don't know. I could point to certain suspicious aspects of it, but I don't know where the malinvestment is, or where the collapse is. Right. And so that was a legitimate answer. Uh, but again, I, what I could get into is that as I, went, I did with Matt was I said that if you review all of the possible explanations for recession, none of them really hold up. The consumption one doesn't hold up. You know, it's only if you create a scenario in which you shock the economy because everybody goes kosher tomorrow morning. Right. So if everybody goes kosher tomorrow morning, vast parts of the food distribution industry suddenly go bankrupt. What is a recession? A convergence of bankruptcies right. caused by some kind of shock. Right. I maintained that the recession of 2000 was a luck. Was the king went crazy. Right. It, it, it wasn't even uh, the inverted yield curve. It was really, they just shut down the economy. What, right. what else could it be? That wasn't even an Austrian recession, in right. my view. But, but when you look at malinvestment, when you then you see certain subtleties, certain ways in which the economy can get shocked. Right. And then on top of that, you know, the other thing that is constantly pointed out to us by the skeptics is that, well, uh, why doesn't if business can anticipate changes in demographics, they can anticipate all kinds of things and not get shocked. Uh, why can't they anticipate malinvestment? 
Why can't? Well, one of the obvious answers to that is that most of them don't even know the Austrian business cycle theory. Right. Most of them, most of them you know, by the way, I would stipulate that if most businessmen knew the Austrian business cycle theory, John Allison, by the way, who headed, I forget the name of his bank, he is an Austrian and he was able to dodge much of the recession in right. his bank. Most of them haven't even read the business. And then aside from that, when a boom happens in order to keep up with the competition, sometimes you have to go along with it or you're right. going to go bankrupt in the short run. So, so that's the reason why the, the malinvestment is something that's very, very difficult to control. But it is a little bit disconcerting that you and I, and certainly and not Bob, can isolate where we see the malinvestment. The malinvestment in, in 01 was, of course, housing. In, was, uh, well, now investment in 08, 09 was housing. Oh, okay. No, oh, it was tech. Was, 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 was what do you, uh, yeah. I would venture to guess yeah. next year we're going to see, a, from what I'm reading, a yeah. problem in commercial real estate. Yeah. And that, yeah. and, and I, I'm doing a podcast later in the week with David Collum. I don't know if you ever read, read his piece on uh, Zero Hedge. Uh, but maybe it will be part, you and I can do a part two on yeah. malinvestment and yeah. we can get into this. But I also, and I say this. You want to talk about inaccuracies. This is very technical and accurate. I've not sat down and done all of my homework on this at all. But I would, with you, like to kind of take a look at generally speaking quantitative easing and how much of that money ended up in stock buybacks or in the market. And if the P ratios would suggest that that's the other area of malinvestment is basically in stock prices. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I guess, again... Sometimes the data aren't really there. Right. But I guess for the kind of question you were asking, it can be traced. It can be. But, you know, you, you and I are, are you know, uh, it's almost inevitable that, the, that again, the, the future is filled with surprises and exactly, you know, we might guess wrong about right. what investment. I'm not going to be astonished even if the economy muddles through as it has been through the next 12 months. I, I and... Uh, I'm, and and the yield curve inversion is a good signal of an Austrian business cycle uh, brewing, right. but it's not ironclad. So there's so many doubts. Anyway, I'm believing too much. Uh, I appreciate your attention, uh, and I guess we'll just we'll we'll walk over to the McDonald's. Yeah, petty Petty buy, Burger Bet. I'm gonna buy you Petty Burger Bet. A a, lar- uh, a, a double burger <laughs> cheeseburger. With fries and a soda. I won't eat any of it, but I, I, whoever loses, I'll tell you what, whoever loses has to pay for the burger. So, and Will we'll you make. Stop with that, look, just a moment. We'll make, we'll make it long 15. Okay. <laughs> over, under, on 15. I'm, or no, 14. We'll make it over, under 14. I'm over, you're under. Rob, Petty Rob, burger, but. Rob, 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 I don't want to piss away 10 bucks. Rob, all I, all I need you to do is walk in there. And look at the menu, and I'll get it. It's right on the wall. Instantly. It might as well say, Gene was right. We don't have, <laughs> we don't have, 